Life Audio. Welcome to the Real Refreshment Podcast. Join us as we dive into motherhood at the foot of the throne with your host, Rachel Carmen. If you are tired, overwhelmed, and feeling alone, this is the place for you. A place for real moms with real stories seeking real refreshment found only in the living God. Take a minute to visit rachelcarmen.com and join the community of Real Refreshment listeners who are taking the dare to be in the Word as a top priority in the journey of motherhood. All right, let's kick off this latest episode of the Real Refreshment Podcast. Here's your host, Rachel Carmen. Good day to all of you. Today we are tackling part three in our Chill Out series, Attention Obsessive Compulsive Perfectionist Control Freaks. We've done the C-H and I of that outline, and I'll review that with you in just a minute, and we will do our double L's today. All right, as promised, let's do a brief review of what we've already covered in the previous two episodes in this series. I am aiming at those of you who wrestle with obsessive, compulsive, perfectionistic tendencies in your parenting, in your relationships. Over at rachelcarmen.com, I've got a handy-dandy chart that you can look up that talks to you about each one of those mindsets, how they manifest themselves, what it's all about, what their focus point is, and how you make other people feel when you behave like that. And it's not pleasant. It's not pleasant to be stuck in those mindsets. It's not pleasant to have to deal with people stuck in those mindsets. And so the whole goal of doing this series with you is so that we can help each other become what God has planned for us to be. And it's not those things. We are not to be characterized with the standards of the world. We are to be transformed. And so I'm using the two words chill out as our acrostic outline. We've already looked at the first letter, the C, and our verse for that was Romans 12, 1 through 2. The whole idea being if we're going to chill out, we've got to change the way we think. If we're going to stop trying to swirl around in the chaotic of those mindsets, we've got to start thinking differently. And so we really dove in and studied that verse, those two verses in Romans. We looked at the outline of Romans and the Apostle Paul's admonition in those two verses. Then we moved on to H, progressing through the eight letters, hit the brakes, and we looked at this tiny little verse in Mark 6, 31 that often, I said, I think gets overlooked, where Jesus sees, knows, invites, and offers rest to us in that one little verse. And so I would encourage you to go back and listen and or dive in and read that passage for yourself. And then the last thing we did last time was we looked at the I, and I said that that stood for ignoring the competition and the opposition. And our verse for that um, admonition was in Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. It was a lot to take in. Those three verses, there's so much there. We backed up to chapter 11 to find, according to the author of Hebrews, what faith is, and then we talked about the lettuces that are embedded in those three verses. And so again, if you've missed the first two episodes of this series, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to those. You can get an outline of this series over at 
rachelcarmen.com as well as that chart that I mentioned to you earlier. And I think the chart's really going to be helpful to you to get your mind around this. It's always important for us to get the definitions right (laughs) so that we know that we're on the same page. And so we really want, the whole point is that we work together to seek what God's best is for us. And his best for us is not that we continue on in these, I would characterize fundamentally selfish mindsets of obsessive compulsive perfectionist control freaks, because for each one of those mindsets, it's all about me. And so it's not supposed to be all about us. If you haven't got that memo yet, it's all about him. It's all about the glory of God and everything else is for our good, but the focus is his glory. And so we're trying to escape our sinful selves and be transformed into who he's made us to be. So we are picking up today with the double L's of chill. And so the first one we're going to look at is listen to God. This is action item number four, is that we would actually listen to God. Our verse for this point is Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. I hope that this is a familiar passage for you. It's a very powerful passage. And I love this. We memorized this verse as a family when all the kids were home. And, oh, those were sweet days. I hope, moms, if you're listening, that you are diligently endeavoring to help your children hide the Word of God in their hearts. This was one of the verses that we did that way. And one of the things that you can do as you seek to memorize Scripture, even yourself, mom, is put together some motions for that. It helps to put it in your mind when you have hooks that you can remember the verse for. And this is one of those, and I know that this is just an audio, so you can't even see me, but I can't even say this verse without going through the motions that we did as a family. But Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says this, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. This is the word of the Lord. And there is a lot to unpack here. So let's dig right on in. In the context of this verse, if you want to turn over in your Bible or take some time later, the context of this verse here in Proverbs 3 is a father's plea with his son to choose wisdom. We've talked many times on this podcast about the reality of the fact that we have but two choices. We don't have a Baskin-Robbins array of choices for how to live our lives. We have two. We can live righteous or we can live foolish. We can live righteous or we can live wicked, but there's no in-between. There's no option for neutrality to just sort of hang out in that foggy gray middle. That's not a choice. That space that the enemy is very successful in convincing a lot of people exists, that neutral zone is actually, and I've said this before, it's actually squarely behind enemy lines. So danger, if that's where you find yourself, you need to be about making a choice. And it's following hard after the wisdom of God or the foolishness of the enemy in the world. So in this passage, trust in the Lord with all your heart. You're going to notice in this passage, we have two absolute words, all, three-letter words, that are absolutes. And then we have one will, which is a promise. So that's what we're going to focus on. But first of all, I want to look at this issue of the heart. It says, trust in the Lord with 
all your heart. Your heart, from a biblical standpoint, is the center of your will, it's your attitude, it's your character. And what we're admonished to do here by the author of Proverbs, which, by the way, is Solomon, who was thought of as the wisest man of all time, and he wrote um, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Solomon, and so it's a very interesting study to read all of his writings. He, he had quite a journey that he took. Um, but here we have him really pleading with his son to choose wisdom because he knew what it meant to choose and chase after folly. And if you would dare to take some time and read the book of Ecclesiastes, that becomes very clear. He knew what it was like to chase after women. He knew what it was like to chase after possessions and position. And basically his conclusion is it's the fear of the Lord. He says at the end of the book of Ecclesiastes, look, I've done all that. I've chased all these things. I really thought that there was a better way, a different way, a way that I could find that wasn't God. And just for the record, uh, no, there's not. There's not. And we get that all through the book of Proverbs as he's pleading, 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 pleading. He's making a case for the wisdom that he learned the hard way which is spelled out in the book of Ecclesiastes. And so he is saying here, trust in the Lord with all your heart, not in the world, not in stuff, not in power or position. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. You probably know this is true, but you and I are trusting in something. And the admonition here is to double check what that is exactly. And it's very easy for us to get stuck and deceived into thinking that we're trusting in the right things when we're actually trusting in the wrong things. We need to do a heart check and find out what actually we're trusting in. And he says here, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. This issue of the heart, by the way, is also quite fascinating. The word heart appears in the Bible 726 times. That tells me that that's no small issue. What we do with our heart, where we put it, how we treasure, you know, we have the admonition, where your heart is, there also will be your treasure. In the New Testament, we're told that. So wherever you put your heart, that's what you treasure, that's what you value, right? In Jeremiah 17.9, the, uh, the prophet writes, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? He writes. And this issue of the heart is an issue now, right? Today, it's a thing. The Bible doesn't have a corner on valuing issues of the heart. The culture does that. Only the culture is now saying, yeah, follow your heart, do whatever your heart says. And the Bible says just the opposite. This verse specifically, and it's not the only one, says, yeah, no, don't do that. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Will to trust the Lord. Your attitude should be that of the Lord. Your character should reflect the Lord and His glory and His plan and His goodness. Not the world's. Trust in the Lord, he says, with all of your heart. And just for the record, too, this issue of the heart, our our verse here today is taken from the Old Testament. The issue of the heart is not exclusively a New Testament issue. Some people take the view on the two Testaments, the Old Testament and the New Testament, and they look at it and they think it's a different God. It's a different gospel. Look, it's an Old Testament and a New Testament, an Old Covenant and a New Testament. It's the same God. 
And in fact, this issue of the heart is in the Old Testament 614 times. This issue of the heart is in the Old Testament books in Psalms 117, Proverbs 64, Jeremiah 45, and Deuteronomy 43. Hmm. This issue of the heart is a very important thing. David writes in Psalm 51, what you desire is a broken and a contrite heart, right? God is concerned about our heart. Where is our heart? And that's what we see here in this passage. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. It's not just a New Testament issue. It is an Old Testament issue. And then we have this, in all your ways, our second all, in all your ways. So we have trust in the Lord with all your heart and, there's an and, lean not. So trust, do this, but don't do this, Solomon writes. Lean not on your own understanding. Whatever you do, Solomon says, don't depend on what you can understand or comprehend or get your mind around. Don't, yeah, don't do that. Don't depend un, or use understanding as a crutch or an excuse. How many times have you and I failed to do what we knew God wanted us to do, what Scripture admonished us to do, what the Holy Spirit himself convicted us to do, but we didn't do it because we didn't get it, we didn't understand it, we couldn't make sense of it. We allow our ability to understand, to inhibit our obedience. We should not do that. We should not do that. We cannot hold God to our standard of making sense that we predicate our faithful behavior, our faithful actions on whether or not we understand or it makes sense to us. That cannot be our standard. I want you to just take a little minute and think about it. Think about scriptural references here on this issue. Let's just think just one, and there are a myriad that we could go through. But let's just think for a minute, when God's people were supposed to go in and take the city of Jericho, what was God's master plan? What was his plan of attack for his people to go in and overthrow Jericho as the first city in the promised land? Think about that, and I'll tell you what it was when we come back. Okay, so the question before the break was, do you remember what God's plan of action was for the overthrow of the city of Jericho? It's not a trick question, but it is kind of a shocking battle plan. So God goes to Joshua, who is now leading his people, and here's the plan. I want you to walk around the city of Jericho once a day for six days, and then on the seventh day, I want you to walk around six times, and on the seventh time, I want you to blow all of the trumpets, and the wall will fall down. That's the battle plan. Now, does... That makes sense to anybody but me. I mean, I'm looking at that and I'm thinking, that's all you got? That's how we're going to overthrow? But it wasn't about whether or not it made sense to Joshua or it made sense to the people of God. 
That battle plan was not about a battle plan. It was about the glory of God. The only way that they were going to be able to defeat Jericho was because God intended for them to do so. And there are a ton of other examples in Scripture of God having a plan that did not make sense according to you and me. You and I would not be able to get our mind around it. It was about faith. It was about God rolling out an opportunity for his people to trust and obey him. Even if not especially when it didn't make sense. And God didn't leave those opportunities just in the Old Testament. There are examples of that in the New Testament, and I would boldly propose to you that you and I have examples of that in our daily lives, that God is moving. The Spirit of the Almighty is offering us opportunities to do things, and we're not doing them because they don't make sense. And really, all He's asking us to do is trust and obey. Trust and obey. Right here in this passage, lean not on your own understanding. Do not use understanding as a crutch or an excuse. And beware of the worship of ease and instant and fun. So often we are all about trust and obey as long as it's easy, instant, and fun. As long as we can understand it. Oh yeah, that makes sense. But what about when God asks us to do something that doesn't make sense? And there's a long list of those things that honor him. It honors him when we die to ourselves. It honors him when we serve others. Look, there's not anything about the cross of Calvary that makes sense to a lost and dying world. But it was God's way to save the world. It was God's way to save the world. And when we put our faith in the finished work of Christ on the cross of Calvary, we put our trust and our faith in Him. It is enough. It is finished. Our second all is, in all your ways, acknowledge Him. In all your ways, in every step, every decision, every action, every thought, acknowledge and consult God. Father, what would most honor you in this circumstance? What can I do to bring you glory? What can I do to point other ones to you in this situation? And it is so important over and over and over as we go down life's journey, as we take the next step on the path, that we are looking to him that we are acknowledging Him in all of our ways, that we are seeking His best in every step of our journey. It says here, the promise is that He will make our path straight. As we trust in Him, as we don't lean on our own understanding, as we acknowledge Him, those three things, as we do those three things, it says that He will. Here's His promise. He will make your path straight. Now, I'm just going to confess to you today, I have to believe this is true because I'm going to tell you from my perspective, my path looks anything but straight. It's, it's plagued with twists and turns and ups and downs and hills, and valleys, and obstacles, and walls. It does not look straight 
to me from my perspective. But from the throne of grace, it's the straight path to him. And in the words of Peter in 1 Peter, all of this stuff is necessary for me to get to him. He'll make my path straight as long as I trust him, as long as I don't lean on my own understanding, and as long as I acknowledge him. And this means that I must listen to him. I must seek to hear from him. I must do that. And that means I need to get really still and really quiet. That is a key to chilling out, is that we listen to him. Our second L is still going to be listening, but to a whole other group of people. I primarily give this presentation to young moms, and so it can be applied to others, to husbands, but primarily I'm talking to moms when I'm talking about this chill out thing. And so that's what my examples will be here today. And that is our verse is Philippians 2, 4. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. We are living in an upside down time where we have so changed our mentality on the world that all of us individually think it's all about us. And we are all clamoring to be heard. We want everybody else to know what our needs are and to meet them. That's upside down. And nobody wins that. What the word of God says right here is we need to not look just to our interests. We need to look to the interests of others. So our second L is this. You need to listen to your kids. Wives, you need to listen to your husband. Everybody needs to listen to everybody else. We need to take time to stop jumping up and down and yelling and screaming and demand that people listen to us. We need to dare to listen to other people, to put their needs and their desires before our own. Before our own. Shocker, what I need and what would work for me and what would help me is not the right same thing for everybody else. What's easy for me is not easy for everybody else. What's a challenge for me is not a challenge for everybody else. I must consider other people's hopes and dreams and ideas. What interests them? kind of a a funny story, but I think it makes the point. A couple of years ago, my husband and I were on a road trip. We were visiting a couple of the kids, and we were um, going to a conference, and we do love windshield time together, and we are driving down the road, and on the side of the road, my husband notices a sign for the Corvette Museum, the Corvette Museum, and he just, he became a little kid. He was like, what? You want to do that? You want to go to the Corvette Museum? Now, I'm going to confess to you as my audience today, the answer to that is no, actually, I am not interested in the Corvette Museum. I, no, thank you. I can think of a list of things that I would rather do than the Corvette Museum, but it was so clear to me that my husband thought that this would be a fun, wayside, spontaneous stop for us to make. You know what? Let's do it. Let's stop. Let's go. It's a small, tiny example of something that we have the power to do, and that is to consider someone else before ourselves. If you're a mom, you know exactly what this is like, doing things that your kids would really like to do that you're really not interested in doing. 
trying things, going places. This is such an important thing that you and I practice, that we literally practice dying to ourselves and listening to other people, their perspectives, their desires, their struggles, their frustrations, their joys. I have been surprised on more than one occasion things that have stuck with my children. I never would have dreamed that they would have given that a second thought. Sometimes it's something that we did. Sometimes it's something that we didn't do that we should have done. I, it's, it's just shocking to me. But we're never going to know those things unless we actually dare to take the time to listen to other people. And I'm going to just give you a secret here. Many of you may already know this, but one of the best ways to get to listen to your kids and to your husband is to enter into where they are. So many times as a mom, I have wanted my kids to talk to me while they help me fold the laundry or do the dishes or do something that I need done. You know, I'm I'm all about trying to multitask, right? So let's clean this room and have this deep emotional connection conversation. And, you know, just it maybe sometimes it works that way, but more often than not, I got to set the stage and I need to go into their world. The first time I learned about this concept was kind of a funny thing. I was, I was visiting a neighbor impromptu. So I needed a cup of sugar and I did what we did in the old days. We didn't order for same day delivery on Amazon. In the old days, we knocked on a neighbor's door and asked to borrow a cup of sugar. And so I was doing that. I was going across the street and knocking on Lisa's door and asking for a cup of sugar. And when she opened the door, she was in a tutu, a grown woman in a tutu. And I was like, oh, wow. Hello. Uh, perhaps this is not a good time. And she told me, she goes, oh, no, come on in. What do you need? And I said, well, I just needed a cup of sugar. And and I said, you know, she could tell that I was a little flustered because things, she was dressed up like a fairy. And I said, um, But, I mean, it's okay. I can come back. And she said, no. She goes, let me explain. She goes, this is Kaylee's day. And I said, "Uh, okay. And she said, you know, I just learned a lot of time, a long time ago. She was an older mother. She was further down the path than I was. I only had one child at the time. And she said, I learned a long time ago that if I really want to connect with my kids, I need to stop insisting that they always come into my world. And I need to dare to go into theirs. And this is Kaylee's day. We're fairies. And I just thought that was so beautiful and so wise that this mother understood a very simple truth that connection with our kids often comes when we dare to go into their world. For me, it meant that I dared to get down on my hands and knees with Legos with my boys and do Legos with them. I mean, I thought I was being the mom by getting them Legos and letting them play with Legos on the floor, but it, it they needed me to do more than that. They needed me to get down there with them on the floor and do Legos with them and listen to them. I mean, they would talk to me about things while they were doing Legos, right? It meant that I went outside and threw 
the ball with the boys. It meant that I went to tea with the girls. We used to have a standing tea party every Wednesday afternoon at two, but it meant that I went into their world. I remember one of my daughters had a hamster, and so when she was cleaning the hamster cage, I would go in and see if I could help. But entering into their world, and we see this in the life of Christ. I mean, you're going to think I'm crazy, but this is a real thing. Think of the ish, the times in the Gospels when Jesus went to where they were. I mean, there's obviously instances when the people came to him. We have, there's several times in Scripture you have these crowds forming. Uh, one time they pressured, they were the, they were pressuring so much that he ended up having to get into a boat. Right? There were so many. You have the Sermon on the Mount, and the Sermon on the Plain. You have these different times when, when people are running to Jesus, but you also have times when Jesus met people where they were. The woman at the well is a classic example. Scripture says that he had to go through Samaria. He didn't have to go through Samaria. He went through Samaria because he knew she was going to be there. And you and I can take a great lesson from that, that we go to where our kids are. We meet them where they are, and we dare to listen to them, what they're saying and what they're not saying. But they're saying what they're not saying. Look, mom, I promise you, you want your teenagers and your grown children to talk to you. I promise you, you do. But you can't wait till then to start listening to them. Moms, we want our husbands to talk to them, to us. But do we dare listen to them? Do we dare to stop off at the Corvette Museum? Do we dare to meet them where they are? Do we dare to do things, not just insisting that they go with us, but do we dare to go with them and not reluctantly, but wholeheartedly and really listen to them where they are? Look, both listening to God and listening to others, whether it's our children, our husbands, um, other people that we associate with, our neighbors, our mother-in-law, whoever it is that we're listening to, who we are endeavoring to put their needs in front of our own These are two things that are going to take a time investment, a decision. Listening to God is going to take time. It's going to need, it's going to mean we're going to have to be quiet. Listening to our kids is going to mean we're going to take time. We're going to have to be quiet. And we're going to have to dare to downshift and to step away from obsessive compulsive perfectionist controlism and listen, lean in and listen. We're going to pick it up right there next time, and we're going to start the word out. We've just finished chill. We're going to start out next time, O-U-T. We have two more parts in this series. Don't forget to go over to rachelcarmen.com, check out the outline, and that chart that I keep telling you about. I really think it's going to be helpful to you. I'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you have a question or comment, we invite you to send it to info at rachelcarmen.com. And while you're at Rachel's website, check out her wonderful resources, including the Word in Motion Bible Curriculum. We want to take a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. Moms, more than ever, we really do need each other. We need to be challenged and we need accountability in the word. Thanks for joining us and we'll catch you in the next episode of the Real Refreshment Podcast.
This, this is my skyship, Dreamer. My cargo is stories, and our destination, dreams. With Abide Sleep Stories for Kids, you can help your children fall asleep fast and learn about God. To find these kids' bedtime stories, go to lifeaudio.com or search your favorite podcast app for Abide Stories for Kids. You can also download the Abide app for more biblical meditations at abide.com.